This is the Greatest Story Ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Everyone has that story that seems completely unbelievable and crazy, but it actually happened to them. And I'm trying to collect all those stories. Two people who definitely have an interesting life experience to share are Sandra Scott and Jim Rice from Australia. Not that Jim Rice, another one. See, Jim and Sandra are newlyweds, and they were enjoying an afternoon of each other's company when they were rudely interrupted by a would-be thief sneaking into their home through a back door which somebody had left open. Sandra crept out of the bedroom when she heard a noise and saw a man stealing the keys to her car, which was parked in front. And uh, she yelled out for her husband for help, and before they knew it, they were both completely naked, shouting at a big guy in the driver's seat of her car. Mr. Rice said they looked around quickly for about 10 seconds or so for clothing before they gave up, and they just both ran out to uh, try to stop the guy. They started screaming and yelling at him, and the man actually had the nerve to ask if they would give him a lift, which they sternly refused to, not surprisingly, and they demanded the car keys back. To his credit, I guess, he actually did give the car keys back, so that was nice. Police arrived shortly thereafter. I would say it's probably not surprising someone called the police since there were two naked people screaming at someone in their front yard. One person with an equally unique story to tell is John Dempsey. John is the news director for 890 WLS in Chicago. And back in 1993, he found himself sitting just feet away from Michael Jordan when he suddenly announced he was retiring from basketball. And what with the last dance all over the news and pretty much the only sports out there at the moment, what better time to talk about it? Thanks so much for joining me, John. Keith, it's a pleasure to be with you. Now, uh, so the the way I've been doing this podcast is, you know, about half of the guests so far I've had on, uh, I just asked them to come on because because uh, they're a friend of mine or, or whatever, and I, or I think they're an interesting person, and you know, what, whatever story they uh, uh, they decide they want to share, that's uh, you know, it's usually going to be uh, pretty entertaining. But uh, the the other half, you know, I've asked them to be on for for very specific things. So unfortunately, rather than uh, asking you, John, what's the most interesting thing that's ever happened to you? I roped you in to talk about uh, about Michael Jordan because, you know, the last dance is everywhere, so I might as well hop on the bandwagon. Sure, sure, yes. And uh, uh, so so I, I literally reached out to you because you posted on social media, hey, when you look at this uh, this this footage of, of Michael Jordan's uh, press conference when he first retired, hey, there I am. Right. Yes. Uh, well, I am and was a huge Michael Jordan fan and I grew up in Chicago and I, you know, I've been a Bulls fan my entire life, you know, before certainly before Jordan came along, Jerry Sloan, Bob Love, Chet Walker, Tom Borwinkle, Bobby Weiss, Dick Mata, the coach, you know, the Bulls of the early 70s, they never quite got there. They, in 1975, they came within one game of going to the NBA Finals, mm-hmm. but they lost a heartbreaking series to the Golden State Warriors in, in 75. And then, so, of course, Jordan goes to uh, North Carolina, and he uh, leaves school a year early in 84, 
So in the 84 draft, the Bulls draft Jordan. And, and as, as we learned by watching The Last Dance, um, you know, it was very easy to get a ticket to a Bulls game back then because they were awful. They were right. horrible. And uh, Jordan just kind of comes in and electrifies the, uh, the city. You know, I think we remember in the last dance in his second year, 85, 86, he, uh, he broke his uh, foot. Mm-hmm. Ankle or foot? I guess the ankle is part of the foot, right? <laughs> it, it is, yeah, uh, but, but I, think, uh, I think it was the ankle, yeah. Okay, so he was out for much of the 85, 86 season. And then he comes back late in the season, and they're limiting his playing time, and he's very upset about that. And there was also the subtext in the show that the bull, that the management wanted the team to lose so that they could get a higher draft pick, and Jordan wanted to, to you know go all out and try mm-hmm. to make the playoffs, and he ended up that famous game um, scoring 63 points against Larry Bird and, and Boston in, in uh, I think it was April of 86. Mm-hmm. And so... Jordan obviously captivated the city and um, and eventually won the first three championships, 91, 92, 93. And um, I, in the 93 championship, I was working at WBEZ Radio, the public radio station in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was, I was not only was I a, 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 a reporter, I was a news reporter, but I wasn't, I wasn't really a sports reporter, but we didn't have a sports reporter. So back then the Bulls were news, and I certainly could, did a lot of uh, reporting on the Bulls. And then uh, in October of 93, as we learned, uh, Jordan hastily decides to retire from basketball. And um, I attended the news conference, which I can tell you about, but I do I, – did remember that there was a, a, a photo in the Chicago Tribune, a wide shot of the room of all the reporters and cameras, and there I was right in the middle of the room. And I nice. um, I remember uh, asking the Tribune photographer if I could get a copy of that. He sent it to me, and I framed it, and I have it somewhere in storage somewhere. But so that on, on the most recent, uh, on the episode where Jordan retired of The Last Dance, I was anxiously looking forward to that scene to see if I would spot myself and sure enough when the camera panned the room and saw all the reporters there I was so I just decided to since we're in the age of you know we all have to publicize ourselves right yeah and humble brag you know I decided (laughs) to whip out my iPhone and I recorded that short video of me at the Jordan News Conference and I posted it on Facebook so now I was uh it was it was 93 so I would have been 11 at the time. Um mm-hmm. so like I I do very clearly remember like all that going on but I think you know the details are 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 somewhat hazy like you described it as you know a hastily you know planned retirement. Um right. like as when you were going into that press conference, did you know that it was it was Michael Jordan announcing his retirement, or the the Bulls, oh, yeah. Bulls being coy about it? Or no, that was the, that was the reason. You see, um, you know, when when Jordan, as we later discovered after the retirement, he tried playing baseball, right? And he was in uh, Alabama, where I know you spent a lot of time in Alabama mm-hmm. growing up. 
the, he played for the Birmingham Barons. Which, right when, when he was or, when he was playing, we actually saw him play uh, twice when the Birmingham Barons uh, came up to play the Huntsville Stars, and uh, really? that was that was literally the only time uh, that stadium there in Huntsville, Joe Davis Stadium, was ever full. Wow. Wow, and, and, and you. So you were probably about twelve. Yeah, I was. I was, I was twelve. At, twelve at the time, and um, I don't remember his exact stats for the day, but I can tell you he didn't do anything. Like he, he, he didn't, didn't do, do anything. Like the the first yeah. game, first game the Barons came to town. He uh, he did start, and I believe he was the center fielder, um, but but he didn't do anything in the game. And then the okay. second time the uh, the Barons came into town, he actually didn't start. So you had a lot of people who, like, the whole game were like, so when is Jordan going to show up? And finally, they they brought him in as a pinch hitter, which I, I don't have anything to back this up on. But I would assume that they probably had to do just about every game, wouldn't you think? That, yeah. That, yeah. You know, the, the stadium was packed. Everybody's there to see Michael Jordan. So he probably has to come in at some point. Right. Right. And I also found it interesting on the last dance to hear Jerry Reinsdorf say, I think he implied that, was that a double A? Are we talking about a double A? Yeah, it was, was, uh, yeah, the double A Birmingham Barons. So the implication was that Jordan wasn't good enough to be playing double A, but if they had had him at a lower rung, that team wouldn't have had the ability to accommodate all the media that would be at the games so because of that they put him in double a is that is that how you took that i don't know if you saw that on the last dance uh no i i uh i i didn't and yeah i believe he was 31 at the time so he was he was old to be a double a so you know that that he he may have hit 300 if they had sent him to single A, but I don't think, right. you know, I don't think it would have proved much. And I do know that uh, there was a, a story that came out that um, the Oakland A's offered him a major league deal and said, we'll put you on the big league team right now. You don't have to go to the minors. And he uh, he turned it down. Wow. wow. Well, so, so backing up, so uh, you were asking me if I was surprised that, and I knew going into that news conference, in October of 93 that Jordan would be announcing his retirement. So, uh, as I mentioned, you know, he played for the Birmingham Barons, who who were an affiliate of the White Sox, and Jerry Reinsdorf owns the White Sox and owns the Bulls. So um, there was a playoff game in in October of 93 between the White Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays, and Jordan, I think you see throughout the first in the mm-hmm. game, and he's up in Jerry Reinsdorf's box. And then this rumor starts circulating through the crowd. It, st- it started with the media. It might have been uh, Jim Gray, who I think was with NBC at the time, or maybe Pat O'Brien, who I think was with CBS. I Don't, don't quote me on that. But the, the, it began leaking out that Jordan was going to retire the next day. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see on the last dance, Pat O'Brien cuts in and says, We've just learned that the Bulls have called a news conference for tomorrow morning at the Burcho Center in Deerfield and that Jordan is going to be retiring from basketball. So in answer to your question, uh, yes, I knew when I went up to Deerfield that this would be the Jordan uh, retirement announcement. I I was not prepared for the scene 
when I got there, but I knew going into it that that's what it would be. And over the years, uh, a conspiracy theory has emerged that, uh, you know, that, that basically Jordan was was suspended. And that's why he uh, that's why he, he left to play play uh, baseball. Now, I've never bought that for the reason that if you if you suspend the guy, but don't actually say you're suspending him, you're not really suspending him. So what's the point in suspending him? So I, I've cool. never bought that, but uh, have you ever put any stock into that theory? I've never, I've never put any stock into that theory. Um, obviously, Jordan liked to gamble, mm-hmm. and he was a high stakes gambler. Um, he was very, very competitive, as we as we see in the in the documentary. He's pitching quarters with the security guys in the clubhouse, and yeah. he's taking that almost as seriously as he would an NBA game. And I've heard the same thing about him when it comes to golf or ping pong or anything. He is enormously competitive, does not like to lose. He's got all the money in the world. So, yeah, I could believe that he was and perhaps is a high-stakes gambler, um, but gambling is not, it's not illegal Although back then, I guess it was only legal in Vegas. But at any rate, as, as we learned from Pete Rose, the only time that it really causes a, a problem if, is if you're betting on your own team. And I don't think anyone who ever saw Michael Jordan play and, and saw the, the things that he did on the, on the basketball court would ever think, oh, he took a bribe to fix this game. Let's investigate that. There's no, there's no evidence of that, and to me, that would be the only thing that would be uh, wrong about him gambling would be if he had bet on the Bulls or something like that, and I don't think there's any evidence of that, and I think you're exactly right. If David Stern is going to suspend him, what's the point of not announcing the suspension? Right. <clears throat> you know, and, and the fact that he quit baseball at around the time when they wanted uh, replacement players because of the labor dispute was still going on. And he, he didn't want to participate in that. And it was probably a good excuse for him to give up baseball because we know he wasn't really going to, I know Jerry Reinsdorf said he might've made it to the major leagues. I I don't know if if he could have done that. Um, so uh, I, I, think I think if uh, I, I think Jordan was a, a good enough athlete and, you know, to, to your point about his competitiveness, that if let, let's say about the time that he 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 hurt his foot, uh, he was so disgusted with the Bulls that he decided, you know what? Forget this basketball thing. I'm going to go to uh, I'm going to go try try baseball. And he did it like when he was, say, 25 or or, yeah. or younger than that. Then then he may yeah. have. You know, I I actually probably because of his competitiveness and the fact that he is such a great athlete, he probably would have made it to the to the big leagues. I don't know that he would have been a, a superstar player, but I think he would have made it. Uh, is the fact that he was thirty one and trying to play in uh, in in double A that that was uh, that was a bit of a problem for him. Yeah, and 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 as we learned in the documentary, they were throwing him fastballs. Uh, early on, and he had like a 13-game hitting streak, mm-hmm. and then they began throwing him curveballs, and then he, he couldn't hit the ball at all. Do, do you know why they only threw him fastballs at, at the beginning? Was it because he was Michael Jordan, and they didn't want to go too too hard on him? 
Well, no, I I actually uh, I think it may have if that's true, and I and I've never uh, I've never heard one way or the other on that. That that's the the first I've ever I've ever heard of it. Um, if they were throwing him fastballs, I think it might have actually been the opposite. That you've got a bunch of uh, you know double A pitchers who are like, hey, this is Michael Jordan. I will bet I can throw my fastball by him. Uh, and, okay. and so maybe it was actually okay. them being a little bit more competitive and saying, you know, I'm he he can't catch up to 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 my fastball, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it by him. I, I think that yeah. that may have factored into it if he if he did. Yeah. Uh, by by the way, an interesting uh, sort of side uh, thing on uh, Michael Jordan's time playing for the Birmingham Barons. I don't know if this was mm-hmm. as big news. Uh, here in Chicago, as it was in Alabama at the time, but uh, Jordan got there and uh, saw the bus that the Birmingham Barons were uh, driving around in, and and he decided this wouldn't do, and actually bought them a bus, like for for the team. <laughs> and uh, uh, when I left Alabama after college in 2005, the last time I went to a Huntsville Stars game, they were actually still driving that bus. Because <laughs> one of the one of the last games I went to in Huntsville, uh, what they were actually coincidentally playing the Birmingham Barons, and wow. uh, and and it was still the bus because the bus uh, actually had like a big uh, forty five on the front because you wow. know in addition to being competitive, he had a bit of an ego, so he had he had forty five yeah. put on the uh, on the bus. They were still driving it, and I was there with uh, with a friend of mine, and uh, the bus driver let us like peek in and take a look and and really it was just a normal bus so it wasn't there wasn't anything special yeah. about it but uh well, I, I, I thought I, it was really I, funny I that uh that, but i forgot yeah, yeah that, that wow. jordan was literally like no i'm not driving around in this thing yeah wow um, and, and uh, i the the really sad thing about that is the owner of the birmingham barons i i've met him he could have afforded to buy a bus on his own and he just didn't mm. <laughs> so uh, oh, you know, boy. Jordan ultimately uh, he he wins the the game against the Monstars with uh, with Bugs Bunny, and he mm-hmm. decides to to come back to uh, to basketball, and uh, you know, sort of the the rest is history. Um, right. Ultimately, ultimately, he came back again. Do you think that was just his competitiveness, or was he bored, or a little bit of a little bit of everything? You're talking about after he left the Bulls in in '98, after the final uh, three feats. Yeah, when he, when he came back with uh, Washington. Yeah, the Washington Wizards. I think it was probably yeah boredom and thinking that you know I, I'm Michael Jordan. If anyone can do this, I can. Uh, but I, I wasn't happy to see him come back because he wasn't the same Jordan, certainly. Mm-hmm. But I just think, to your point, it's his competitiveness. And I think uh, those are the factors that fueled him him coming back um, again. Um, and we've all seen athletes uh, stay around too long. Uh, I know you're too young to remember Willie Mays, but when I was about 11, 11, 12 years old, he was playing for the New York Mets, and he was simply awful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Willie Mays is arguably the greatest baseball player ever. And so there have been a lot of players that have stayed around too long, and then there are others that retire when they're at the top, like Jim Brown in, in football. Um, so, but Jordan, Jordan, I, I think you're right. He just was so competitive that he 
felt that he still had something to to contribute, and he wanted to uh, to play again. So, well, I uh, normally I would ask you know if there's any important life lessons you learned uh, uh, from from your experience, but uh, ba- basically the the biggest one would be uh, keep an eye on uh, documentaries because you may show up in them. Yes, exactly, exactly. Can I just say one other thing about about and and this. What I'm about to say is not apropos to me being in the uh, the Jordan documentary, but I have been in the radio, and I did five years of television, but mostly my career has been radio. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing it now for, it'll be 38 years this September. Um, I graduated college in August of 82, and I began working right away in, in radio. So I've, I've been a reporter for many, many years, and I always, Keith, I always had a knack for in what they call the, the gangbang, where reporters are huddling around somebody, interviewing them, putting their microphones in the person's faces. I always had a knack for not standing in front of the person being interviewed, but standing to their side. A, because I didn't want to block out any of the TV cameras, but B, I just thought it would be easier to get close to them and, and, and get a good mic position. And so over the years, there are many, many newspaper photos and a lot of TV footage of me standing to the side of some public figure holding my microphone. So I, I pride myself, Keith. When I look back on my career, I kind of pride myself on that ability. I'm kind of, it's kind of like a Where's Waldo. <laughs> insert myself into these shots. So that's why when I saw myself on the last dance, I was so proud of myself. So, so it's, it, it's where's Waldo of Chicago news of the past, you know, past couple decades. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Where's John Dempsey? Thank you, Keith. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story. I appreciate it. Thank you. If you think you can top that or any of the other stories we've heard so far, shoot me an email at greateststoryeverpodcast at gmail.com. Next week, we'll hear from my friend Bill Leff, who will share an eerie psychic premonition from his youth. In the meantime, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any old podcast platform you found it on. It'll help other people find the show, and that'll make me happy. Gabatron.